0: Hello welcome back to the Behind the Net podcast. Uh, hope you guys uh, missed us. I'm sure we, we we definitely missed you guys. We're back again after another break. We're here again and hopefully we're now going to get back into a routine. Uh, if you don't know the format, it's me, Michael, my co-host, Matthew. Hello. We bring you all the sports talks in regards to trauma sports and whatever else is uh, interesting for us. Uh, let's, uh, let's not uh, waste any more of your time. Let's get right into things.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, we have a lot to talk about this week. Uh, it'll be a pretty straightforward episode, I think. A lot, a lot of, a lot of things happening in basketball. I think we're gonna talk a lot about that. Um, and yeah, other than that, like uh, we'll just go through the different sports news. Um, yeah, it's just been super busy uh, for both of us. You know, the Olympics. Oh, the Olympics just ended. We have we have a lot to talk about the Olympics too. Probably. Oh we'll yeah. Talk about that. Um, probably near the end of the episode so make sure you stick around for that um and yeah it's just been busy but it's been good how have you been michael
0: been good yeah w- work has been uh pretty much taking up a lot of my time but some good things have been happening there uh, and it's a good busy which is uh something i i think a lot of people would like to to say about their jobs when uh, their job is just taking up a lot of their time but they're getting productive and uh good things are progressing yeah that's that's where things are at for me how about you
1: Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, just been a lot of work as well. Uh, like I said, the Olympics and a lot of working around that stuff. But we we love uh, we love doing that stuff. So no complaints there. And uh, I don't know, another day goes by where I'm trying to I'm trying to get verified on Twitter. I can't even request verification on Twitter. Everyone's getting their verifi- verification verification request, and I swear Twitter hates me or something. They don't even have the request like option available to me. I check every day. <laughs> That's weird. It's so weird. Yeah, no, I I tried
0: to get my account verified. Uh, it didn't work out. Uh, I don't remember what the exact reasoning was, but like I had I, a feeling they were they were not gonna verify me. But you know, it just took so long. So I was like, what's the hold up? Here? I think you
1: could try again, but do you have you have the re- like the request thing on your account? Yeah,
0: I do. Uh, <laughs> you have to go to your settings and all yeah. that, and See, uh, I
1: check I check that every day. I don't even have the request setting yet, and like they just say like, oh, they're rolling out the request option. But it's been months. Jeez. <laughs> oh, uh, man, I'm just waiting. I don't even know if I'll get verified like you said, but I can't even try. <laughs> I at least want to yeah. be able to try. Uh, that's funny, but, yeah, we need a campaign to get, for Twitter to give me the option because I've been waiting for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But But, uh, yeah, other than that, it's been good. So uh, we could hop right into the sports news. Um, and we'll be talking about, let's talk about the Toronto Raptors first, because they've had a big last couple of weeks. Um, A lot, a lot has happened, honestly. um, Where do we start? Let's start kind of in chronological order with the draft. Um, In past episodes, we were leading up to the draft, the Toronto Raptors had the fourth overall pick, and even in past episodes, I think we were pretty set that they would most likely be picking Jalen Suggs, and then as the weeks went by and as it like kind of the week of the draft um and and players started working out there were reports and rumors that the raptors really liked uh scotty barnes from florida state university and Mm -hmm. uh you know they liked him but nobody i wouldn't say nobody thought but it wasn't it wasn't really expected that they would still pass over jalen suggs but Uh, little did we know that uh the raptors did pick scotty barnes and i just want to know your initial reaction to that because i will say i was i was surprised um but and then like it is if Masai ujiri if anyone's going to make a move like that it is Masai ujiri because he has a vision so and um and for the record scotty barnes is looking great already um but what was your initial reaction
0: Definitely same as you, I was a little caught off guard because it did seem like for the longest time that Jalen Suggs was going to be the guy that would be picked by the Raptors and uh, obviously the shock was not just felt by some of the fans and uh, some of the media but it was even by uh, Suggs' family and I'm sure you remember that video that her sister posted <laughs> on uh, TikTok or Instagram I can't remember what it was
1: Yeah, it was where, a
0: TikTok Yeah, where she was just basically reacting to it Like I, I guess because Suggs Probably really wanted to be here too, but uh, the Raptors went a different direction. and uh, I think it's understandable that people would be a little bit uh, caught off guard by the move by Scotty Barnes. What we've seen so far is just on how he's conducted himself, uh, how he's uh, handled uh, and embraced uh, the city of Toronto, and the way he's been playing, which is obviously the most important thing. It's looked like a slam dunk so far. Like I, I told you this. Like I immediately got vibes with Kawhi Leonard when he did that one thing where he dove to make a block, made a good pass, and then led to a bucket. Like yeah. that's the kind of thing that the Raptors need—a guy like that who can be the dictate dictator of the offense. And that was like, that's what we were, we've been saying from the get go. The Raptors need to get somebody who's the who's the man. And while if we only have a couple summer games to go off of, it's starting to look like Scotty Barnes could be that guy,
1: for sure. Um, I think what was questionable about the pick, uh, at first was because Jalen Suggs being a guard, especially a point guard that can, I mean, it was kind of known that Kyle Lowry will probably be on his way out. Um, so Suggs had star potential to be, you know, a star guard that can literally fill Kyle Lowry's shoes. Um, so it was questionable when they chose Scotty Barnes, who is, um, essentially plays similarly and, um, and same position as uh, OG and, um and pascal siakam um they're very similar players so i mean we know that the raptors like that mold of players but um you know it it makes you wonder or at least in the moment it made me wonder why they went that route but seeing scotty barnes like immediately even immediately after getting drafted he was so excited that the raptors picked him and so far all he's shown is like very uh a lot of excitement um to be just being a raptor and Hey, he got to do a lot of cool stuff like the just uh, the videos they've been putting out like um and he's he's so happy through the whole process like um just coming to Toronto, uh seeing the city, meeting the fans uh and he even got to like go to like Drake's house, like I'm sure like the other draft prospects are might be jealous of that too. <laughs> like some pretty <laughs> cool stuff. Um and but overall like he just seems so happy to be a Toronto Raptor and be in Toronto whereas um, like just historically, you know, that Toronto hasn't always gotten that rep in um, the basketball world. Um, and having players who really, really love it here, and just off the initial vibe so far, like he's given off that vibe. So that's the type of player that Toronto wants or would love to embrace. And on the court, he's just been playing very well so far. I mean, Jalen Suggs, props to Jalen Suggs as well. He's he had a very good game the other night as well. Um, Toronto fans. Might have saw that I saw that and maybe um I don't know, maybe maybe thought about the, the possibility of if Suggs was a Raptor, but Scottie Barnes so far has played very well and we've only had one game so far. Tonight um they play um the Warriors. So we'll we'll get more we'll get more uh to go off of after tonight. But in one game so far on the court, like you said, looks a lot like Kawhi Leonard, very defensively minded which again we know that the raptors are defensively minded and that probably was a big draw for them and uh he shoots pretty well too or at least from what we've seen so far
0: and that's what i think it comes down to like there's confidence that uh, scotty barnes could be uh, some a a versatile two-way threat and that's what Kawhi was uh, in his one season with the raptors he was great he was an excellent defender but he was always a, a dangerous threat offensively and that's what i think the, the messiah must have seen in jalen in uh scotty barnes that's a player who could be a versatile do a dual threat uh on both ends of the court which i think is what the best player of the raptors has to be and that's what fits in line with uh, how the raptors have been playing like you said they do tend to favor players that are really good on their on their own on their own side of the court and i think scotty barnes has shown that hopefully he can continue the momentum that he's gotten. and uh, i w- i would definitely think that there's a possibility that not even by the midway point of the season uh, scotty barnes will be getting consistent starting minutes
1: mm-hmm. yeah so we'll just have to see how scotty barnes pa- uh, pans out of course but he's an exciting pick nonetheless um and i'm going to use him to lead into our next topic because one of the concerns like i said before was that he plays he's very a very similar mold and he plays the same position as pascal siakam now pascal siakam has also been in the rumor mill lately for uh trade rumors there's been a few trade rumors it kind of started with the warriors having tr- uh interest in him and now it's suddenly uh <laughs> um grown to the the sacramento kings the uh um the la clippers and just i think uh apparently just a bunch of teams are very intrigued by pascal siakam now Fred VanVleet gave a little threw a little shade at that, and he tweeted he quote tweeted a tweet uh, about the trade rumor, and he said that, like it was like uh, teams are very intrigued with Pascal Siakam's play, and he he basically said like me too. So I think the Raptors seemingly I don't know how much I could buy into this trade rumor because I just can't see unless. They're being offered something like, you know, an A-level prospect and a couple picks or a pick or two. Um, I just can't see that trade working out for Toronto right now because I think Pascal Siakam is the leader of the team, obviously. Um, although, and if they are, the only way I, I could see them committing to a trade for Siakam is if they are committing to, a, you know, a rebuild and actually going younger and selling off their... Um, their most valued assets.
0: Oh, exactly. I th- I think uh anytime any there's almost any single trade that uh involves Pascal go going the other way. The Raptors are gonna lose that trade. Mm-hmm. They really need to be super convinced that they're gonna get somewhat equal value to him because they've molded Pascal into this player who's been uh a potential MVP candidate. Like we, people tend to forget that in 2019-20, before COVID shut down the, the regular season, the majority of the regular season, Pascal was playing some excellent basketball. Oh, yeah. I remember some of the early days of our podcast. We're just talking about, oh my goodness, is Pascal Siakam an MVP candidate?
1: Yeah, that and- was like our first. That was when the uh, our podcast first started, and we were sitting in the studio. I remember we were talking about yeah he was I think the rankings had him like at one point like 5th on the MVP rankings that's high up it was
0: it was insane and like Google overlooked that because he didn't do so well in the bubble and and primarily because of the fact that he didn't really get a chance to train he didn't really get a chance to do any uh practicing because of the uh covid lockdown he, he he never really caught up to speed once the bubble finally opened up and mm-hmm. uh, the Raptors could go there and I think because of that everyone just completely overshadowed everything that he did during the regular season and i think it's just instilled this uh this this um, misguided uh envision that uh, the raptors would be better off trading him when in, in fact the raptors would be better off keeping pascal and uh looking to how he played in 2019-20 before the bubble as a proof that he sh- can be someone that could be part of this team long term
1: mhm yeah and like like you said, uh it was, yeah, like because his of his performance in the bubble, um I think they he had one bad uh, like playoffs, and suddenly the uh the narrative shifted, and honestly, I give him credit even for last season. he played very well, um, uh, people like to call it a down year, yeah, it was a down year compared to his other seasons, um his last like his season two seasons before that, but he was playing on a evidently Weaker team, um, still being the number one option, and he still played really good for being the number one option on a bad team, you know. Um, so yeah, it was a down year compared to the fact that he was on a contender for the last couple seasons. Um, but I still think he has in him, and um, I still value him high because I think if and and let's be real like going into next season, it's only going to be uh, the, the Raptors are only in a worse uh position, so. Uh, that obviously is going to affect his performance, but I think his value is still very high. So I don't know. I and I said it before. Like I just can't see why the Raptors would make a trade. He's still he's not even that old, and that's the thing. Um, they took for like they took their time to develop him as a player um, into something really special, and then why would they want to trade him to do that again with another? draft pick or prospect or whoever they pick up in the trade so I just can't understand that and also like the rumors that are coming the teams that are looking to acquire him you know Golden State uh the Clippers the Kings um I would say if anything maybe the Kings have picks and prospects that are intriguing but the Clippers and the Warriors don't really have much to send unless the Warriors are willing to send both Wiseman and uh Kaminga who they just picked up who they just drafted um other than that, those are two A-level prospects coming back. But other than that, I would not even—I would not even want to uh, ask the Clippers for a trade or look into that because I don't think the Clippers have anything to trade.
0: Exactly. Yeah, I—I I, I think uh, Raptors fans should be breathing a sigh of relief because I just cannot see uh, Masai Ujiri wanting to part ways with Pascal Siakam simply because. Uh, one, he had a bad bubble, and then two, overall, the team had a bit of a down here. I think this is the kind of opportunity that the Raptors could definitely benefit from. The expectations surrounding the team are somewhat minimal, only because of the fact that they just missed the playoffs, they just drafted fourth overall, and that the rest of their division got much, much better. It's uh, it probably could work out for them that they could sneak into the playoffs if uh, all all things goes right, and I think a big part of that will will be Pascal Siakam's play.
1: mm mm-hmm. for sure. I think he he's still young enough to lead the charge. Um, him and Fred VanVleet we haven't seen we haven't seen how they're gonna be, um, you know when, uh, when they have the keys fully handed to them next season, and I think we just go from there and see how the Raptors pan out of course i'll use this to transition next topic a briefer topic but uh i mean obviously of course we don't know really the status of the raptors they're they honestly it's 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 a weird time they're in they're even in between a retool and a rebuild seems like now but um Mm -hmm. i think it's most evident by the uh gorandrogic uh situation that's going on right now um for those of you don't know uh when Kyle Lowry signed with Miami, he wasn't signed in trade, and Goran Dragic was one of the pieces that came back um, from Miami to make the salaries match. And he has said in a uh, in an interview, basically that he does not want to be in Toronto and that he has higher aspirations. What was your reaction to that? Because I know Toronto fans completely went off on him. <laughs>
0: It's, it's kind of funny because uh, when I initially saw that Goran Dragic was uh, going to be part of the sign-and-trade, I thought to myself, oh, okay, he's going to be traded to Toronto, and then uh, the Raptors would immediately deal him somewhere else, like so probably just for yeah. destination of Dallas, which is, uh, I was going to get to. Um, so I was kind of surprised when no move ended up happening. And then I see those comments, and it's like, well, I kind of knew that he didn't want to be here. It's, it kind of just confirms that. What I did not expect him to do was uh, backtrack his comments, which is uh, would say, oh, I actually like Toronto. Fans are super passionate. Uh, I'll just play here and uh, do my thing. So I think things are starting to change. I think the Raptors genuinely do think that they can use Goran Dragic in some way, shape or form. Maybe they could use him uh, as a long-term option. Maybe they could use him as a potential trade ship and send him off somewhere to get even more assets back. Because I think that's probably what the plan is, if they do not think they're going to make the playoffs next year. Because I do think that they have a good enough team that they can sneak into the playoffs, but if it's not going to happen in 2022, then Goran Dragic is an ideal candidate to to ship off somewhere and get a couple of assets back. Maybe uh, a younger player, a couple of draft picks, could could work out in their favor.
1: I don't even know if Goran Dragic fits into their system right now that's a yeah like you said i thought they were going to flip him and i don't know i think i according to like bobby webster's uh interview about the whole situation it sounds like they're interested in keeping him and and see and wanting him to play for the raptors um i don't know if i know dallas really wants him but i don't think they're willing to pay i don't know like if they want him they, they better they have to pay the raptors but um so far, a deal hasn't worked out, and I don't know. It's, the situation is kind of messy right now. Uh, I think Toronto fans won't like Dragic at all. Already, um, he might get booed when is in his first home game. But um, yeah, I think I don't know. I just whether or not they do try to make a push for the playoffs this season. I just don't think he is the the fit for for the Raptors. So I think they are. Trying to figure out what kind of state they're in, and like you said, they're gonna. I think they're gonna play by year for this season, and if it doesn't look like it's happening, they're gonna. I think they're moving towards a rebuild, and I think that would probably be the smartest position. With obviously Scotty Barnes coming in and then surrounding him with possible more talent,
0: I don't even think you can label it a rebuild. I think of it more as a retool because at the end of the day, they still have uh, enough of the players from that 2019 championship uh, season that uh, you can feasibly build around them and add even more better talent to to complement their skills or even uh, uplift them which is what essentially what's happening with Scotty Barnes. Now, I could we could theoretically say that the Raptors next year could be uh just tanking again. I don't think they want to. I think the Raptors do think that they can win uh, a compete for another title even if they, their chances are much lower than they were a couple years ago. Like they they still believe that they have that uh them to to go all the way again so that's why i'm thinking a retail seems like the more plausible explanation on what the direction of this team is obviously losing kyle lowry is going to suck because he was the heart and soul of that club for so many years but there also is going to come was going to come a point where kyle lowry was going to uh like lose a a bit of a step and it's possible that he could have lost it this coming season but who knows that's why i think uh is The best thing to describe this that these next few years of the Raptors is a bit of a retool. And so how they come out of it, uh, let's say in 2023 or 2024, we'll clearly tell if uh, it really was a retool or if uh, I was misguided and you were right all along and calling it to rebuild.
1: <laughs> it's just, it's tough. It's just on paper right now, this team does not look... um like a like a contender you know you know what i'm saying uh definitely they have enough heart to to make the playoff push and we'll definitely see because the raptors for a long time weren't on paper a contender but they are they have been contenders um so we'll see what how the raptors perform this season and yeah they're gonna go off that um moving into free agency i mean as you already heard kyle lowry did go to miami we we already talked about that a little but more focus on it i want to ask you your reaction to kyle lowry signing with the miami heat um because for the most part you know we knew since the trade deadline that miami had interest in him you know pairing with jimmy butler and uh but we we knew a bunch of teams had interest in him philadelphia um the lakers uh the clippers even but what was your reaction to him Basically, on f- the first day of free agency, seeing that Kyle Lowry is going to Miami. Yeah, you know, from
0: re- re- there was that game, I uh, can't remember who the Raptors were playing, but it was basically vintage Kyle Lowry at his best. Like everything from that game felt just about right as a perfect send off for Lowry's time in Toronto, like as a Raptor. And we thought that he was going to get traded shortly after that game. And I think that's from from that point on, I've kind of just uh, come to accept that Kyle Lowry was going to be dealt at some point. His days with the Raptors were numbered. I just didn't know who he was going to go to, where he was, when it was going to happen, and how it would take place. And once I saw that Kyle Lowry was indeed going to go to the Miami Heat, you know, it's part of me was a little shocked but also was not surprised at the same time because like I said, I kind of knew this was coming for a while, mm-hmm. but the way that it all play out and the fact that the Raptors even got pieces back, le- whether or not they got them legally or not is another story. <laughs> but uh, they, they, they did right by their the best player in franchise history by getting some assets back and they can use those assets to uh, of course uh, get new pieces and help along in their quest to get back on top of the uh, NBA uh, mountain
1: 100% Um, I I gotta start by saying yeah we gotta give Kyle Lowry his flowers the greatest Raptor of all time Um, literally like that can't even be argued and he's gonna be the first one to get his number retired and I hope we don't see anyone wear number seven even until then um, because yeah he's an icon now and We'll get the statue out there in front of Scotia Bank, uh, as well. So, yeah. But my reaction, I guess, I, I guess when it when we basically like that week leading up to free agency, we basically saw reports that it was Miami, and we didn't really hear reports from the other teams that were supposedly interested in him. Of course, we know. Uh, we'll talk about this a little after, but we know that the Lakers, once they picked up Russell Westbrook, like. They were kind of out on Lowry, and I think the Sixers were the only were the other real one. I mean, the the Clippers had interest, but they weren't really there. Isn't there wasn't much reports about them going after him. We know Philadelphia wanted him, but I think they're trying to figure out the Ben Simmons situation first. So it kind of narrowed the path for Miami. And um, all I'll say is that I'm glad he's going to a contending team because being 35 years old, definitely you want to see him go for another ring and Miami is looking like the place to do it. Of course they had a first round exit this season, but now they're really cleaning up um the state the the state of their team. Like I think I think they probably made the biggest splash in free agency too, picking up both Kyle Lowry and PJ Tucker on top of um now, you know, a core of Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler. Um even having Tyler Hero off the bench. Yeah, like that's that's a great team, and they're honestly going to look really good in the East. And, uh, yeah, I'm just glad. I think Lowry compliments that team very well. He gets to go with his good friend, Jimmy Butler. And, yeah, I I just think, and, and like you said, I think it's great that they, that the Raptors were able to at least complete a sign and trade and get some assets back rather than, you know, losing him outright, which, uh, has happened in the past. Of course, last season we saw that with, the, uh, with, uh uh well two seasons ago we saw that with Kawhi Leonard and then last season with Ibaka and Gasol so getting something out of Kyle Lowry is is good helps out with the future
0: Oh exactly yeah and that's what i'm saying like when you use when free agency happens i think all teams should be tr- if they they know that they cannot get keep this player under contract they should be trying to get something back because I think that makes it somewhat of an equal uh, value. Because, like, like yes, let's think of it from this way: like the greatest player in Raptors' history walking away for nothing. Like, how bad does that look for the team? Like, they get they they just get him for for nine years, and then all they can show for it is uh, a fat pay check that's going to Miami's way. No, like you you should be trying to get something bad for a player like that. And so it was good on the on the Raptors for uh, doing that sign and trade with the uh, Miami Heat. And they were able to get some assets back. And like I said, they're going to use those assets either to help like make the team better right now, or to use those pieces to trade, to get other pieces down the line.
1: For sure. For sure. And uh, even precious, he's uh, he looks like, like he was just drafted in 2020. So he looks like he could be a prospect that can make the team. Um, He fits the Raptors mold. And so far he seems like he wants to be here. So, you know, There's a good prospect that you got back, basically, rather than getting back nothing. And then, yeah, Goran Drogic, that situation we just talked about. Uh, We'll see how that pans out, but possibly it could lead to more assets, you know. So, at least it's good that they got something. And like I said, um, leaving on the front that, especially after Lowry, you know, um, after he, you know, put out his Instagram post and and then he, he had the ad in the star. Like, it really hit, but like, yeah greatest Raptor of all time and I really hope he has a good end his career Um, moving forward you know whichever teams he plays for or, uh, and I hope he he has a good time in Miami and he could hopefully you know contend for a championship if not the Raptors
0: heck if uh, an opportunity presents itself for uh, Kyle Lowry to, re- to return to Toronto for like maybe one more season so we can get the proper send off that he never got uh, this past year I would be more than welcome to it. Yes. I think uh, a lot of Raptors fans would would be jumping over that opportunity if if it presented itself.
1: I am so mad that his final, you know, he never got to play his final game as a Raptor, in, like in Toronto, or at least his final few games, um, and that his final game in in Toronto was like you know early twenty twenty, so long ago. Um, I I hope that they have. Because of that, I hope that they're able to like the NBA schedule schedules uh a Heat Raptors game in Toronto early next season, so that he can get that proper send off pretty early. Because that night, when when he returns, it's going to be a crazy, crazy night,
0: and emotional one too. I think there's going to be a lot of tears being flown. Yeah. I I imagine Demar Derozan will be there. Like he'll he'll find a way to get there, even even if he's not going to be physically there. It's it's going to be. Uh, it's gonna be a crazy night for sure, like you said. It's 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 something I think a lot of Raptors fans are gonna look forward to, and they're gonna cheer him even if he's on the other team,
1: even yeah. if he's uh, probably destroying them. They're gonna be super happy. <laughs> and I really hope that it's uh, it's here in Toronto. I really hope that they're, it's looking like the Raptors will return. We're just waiting on that official confirmation for next season. But yeah, and I hope it's early in the season so that we don't have to wait for him to get that special send off. It's gonna be extra special because the city of Toronto alone has been waiting you know, over a year to have basketball back. Do you imagine if the Raptors' very first game back in Toronto was against the Miami Heat? That would be the most ideal situation, like, ever. Like, um, send-off game, uh, return-slash-send-off game, plus there's going to be so much hype just around the fact that um, it's the first Raptors game in Toronto in, like, literally almost two years. Uh, that would be insane. That would be the perfect, like, send-off. For Lowry,
0: oh yeah, that'd be insane. And also, you also have to add to the fact that Scotty Barnes would be making his uh, first, playing his first game in Toronto. Yeah, like, oh, it would just be so perfect. It I would hope, be. I hope it
1: happens. It would be. Um, so so let's we'll talk about the rest of free agency now. Uh, we'll talk about the guy you just mentioned, who would his, uh, you know, Kyle Lowry's right hand man, De- Demar Derozan. Um, and he actually signed with the Chicago Bulls, and honestly I thought it was a great signing especially given the fact that the Bulls themselves have been having a great a really great offseason as well they also signed Lonzo Ball um so now they have Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Lonzo Ball um on top of Vucevic so that's a really that's a really strong starting lineup there um and like I think it's gonna be great you know and I'm I'm really glad that DeRozan gets to uh go to a, a good team nothing wrong with the Spurs he was great with the Spurs but I think the Bulls um are they were on the come up for the last couple of seasons I think this season they really cement themselves back into that playoff picture
0: mm-hmm. I remember when you texted me that uh, DeMar Rose was going to sign with the uh, Bulls I jokingly told you that the they're going all in on the fourth uh overall for the East. <laughs> <laughs> and I was not to discredit the Bulls because they definitely did improve this offseason and I do like a lot of the moves that they made but uh, you also have to remember the eastern conference uh, is as competitive as it's been in a long time yeah, i think we could you talk to remember, about that yeah yeah we could just i'll just briefly mention some of the teams the bucks just won their championship the the nets were a few injuries away from a, from that 2021 title themselves they
1: were, they were um, uh, Kevin Durant foot away
0: <laughs> exactly exactly uh what else the heat obviously I like, they, they've they've gotten a lot better um the Knicks are obviously uh trying to improve, ensure that uh, last season's uh success was not to one off
1: the, the Atlanta the Hawks, Hawks, are Hawks are for are
0: for real mm. like it's super competitive in the Eastern Conference like and the the Chicago Bulls are going to definitely be in that mix. There's no question about it. But like, I just don't see how they can become the top team in the Eastern Conference. But I definitely think they're going to make the playoffs. They'll probably win around. Are they going to win a championship? I don't think so. I don't but, think uh, yeah. they've definitely gotten better.
1: I don't think it's about winning the championship yet. I think it's about getting that winning culture back um, that they've been kind of trying to build again in Chicago. Because let's remember, Chicago. We know them best of course with the with michael jordan's bulls but after that they've had stints of that winning culture coming back like for the most of the early 2000s they weren't a good team and then the derrick rose era bulls were back to their winning ways amazing and then it fell apart again and they've been just trying to get back to that and i think this is um again they're not they're not going for that home run yet but these are a good batch of players that can get them to consistent playoff uh, you know playoff berths and uh, can can keep them in that conversation of a contender um, similar to how the Raptors were I think a few years ago until they can finally put you know put a season together or acquire players that will really put them over the top but I think it's about building that culture again first and I think DeMar DeRozan th- brings that to the team and I think He's being paired with a really good point guard in Lonzo Ball that I think will um, complement his style. Let's not forget, like, Lonzo Ball, last season he really improved, especially his shooting as well, but he's also passed first, and he can make those plays to DeMar DeRozan. He can make those plays to Zach Levine, who will take care of the uh, majority of the offense. So I think on on Lonzo's end, this is a better situation for him. On DeRozan's end, I think this is a better situation for him. I think those are two really good pickups for the Bulls. And the good thing about Joe Rosen is that he doesn't have to be
0: the number one option, because I think that's something that happened during his time with the Raptors. He kind of, on and off, was the number one option when DeMar Rosen is at his best, when he's the number two or even the number three. And that's what's going to happen here in Chicago. This could could totally be the ideal fit for him and having the most success, because he doesn't have to shoulder all the offensive weight. He can uh, rely on Lonzo Ball and Zach Levine to carry some of it as well.
1: Yeah, and I think Lonzo finally gets the the right fit for him. I, I don't think the Pelicans were a good fit for him, but now he finally gets to pick the team. You know, he was overlooked in LA and now he was overlooked in New Orleans while he was improving and now I think he a lot of the pressure comes off of him as well. Um he was uh, again a num- probably a number 2 number like a, a good number 2 option in New Orleans, but that was because Zion's status as a number one option was still very young, and even Brandon Ingram's. But here, um, he could just be that pass-first playmaking point guard to, I'd say the number one option, I guess, is Zach Levine. And then DeRozan being a solid number two option is is, is really good, actually. I think that's a really uh, well-built starting lineup.
0: Exactly, yeah. And like I said, that's definitely going to be good enough to, at the very least, the fourth overall sub. Fourth, fourth yeah. position in the East, and that's and this is and now this is not being a, a sarcastic. This is being serious. Like I definitely think that uh, if all the everything works in their favor, they could definitely slide into that fourth spot, and that would be good for them because they they'll get the home court advantage in the in the fir- at least the first round of the playoffs.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, and then yeah, I think another team that we could talk about that uh, had a good off season, I guess so far. I mean, they didn't really sign anyone big but they they acquired russell westbrook uh the los angeles lakers they actually did have a good off season though because they were uh signing a lot of veterans as well but you know they completely pretty much completely rearranged their team uh starting with russell westbrook uh so now their big three is anthony davis lebron james and russell westbrook i don't know how that's gonna work out the fit on paper doesn't you know on paper, you know, I don't think their their styles complement each other, but you know, when you have three superstar players like that, I think they can make it work. Um so we'll see how they uh, play. And then they also went out and signed a, a a a boatload of free agents, uh namely uh Carmelo Anthony, um mm-hmm. Dwight Howard, um who else? Uh, there's just a, a whole ton. I, I need to get their I need get their roster uh but yeah, like they've completely kind of rearranged their uh their whole look of their team, I guess. Uh some other like other than LeBron and and Anthony Davis and Marcus all and Tillon Horton Tucker, most of them are new. Who else? Like uh oh Malik Monk, uh he signed over from the Hornets, uh, and he's young too. Uh Kendrick Nunn. They're just it's a pretty depthful team. It's just I have my concerns as well um i'll I'll go over that after but what was your reaction to russell westbrook and uh the lakers other uh i guess pickups
0: i think obviously the big one is uh russell westbrook obviously uh, i remember when i was at work when uh, i found out that russell westbrook got uh got dealt to the uh lakers everyone was freaking out it's like no way how would they do that this is insane and I honestly think that the Lakers are trying everything in their power to ensure that uh, last year's 1st uh, round exit was just a one-off and that this mm-hmm. is a team that is always going to be in the mix for uh, championships. Now, do uh, is this going to actually work? I don't know. Because a Russell Rushbrook like LeBron James and to some degree like Anthony Davis really wants the ball in his hands all the time. So it's just going to be... Just that meme uh, from the office where everyone's pointing guns at each other, like who's <laughs> going to make the first move? That's essentially the the Lakers' offense next year because everybody wants that ball and, and no one's going to give it up so easily. And that's what I think is going to be the case with uh, Russell Wrestler. But I, I'm definitely intrigued by that. There was a meme in regards to Carmelo Anthony signing with the Lakers <laughs> along with LeBron, and that was back in I think 2014. But then that ended up happening, so that was pretty cool, honestly. I think this Lakers team is still very good. I think uh, last season they ran into a lot of injuries. I think that's the one thing about the playoffs is a lot of teams ran into the injuries, but the Lakers especially were severely hampered by all the injuries that they they face, And I think that definitely played a factor into why they got eliminated in the first round by the eventual NBA finalists in the Suns, who I still think are the class of the Western Conference at this time. But this Lakers team, I think they will definitely be going on another run next year, whether that actually leads them to the the championship, who knows. But by adding all these players, uh, adding Russell Westbrook and and acquiring a bunch of depth, they're trying to ensure that uh, last season uh, was just a one-off and not the, the start of a new trend.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think, uh, let's remember, their window is very, very slim with LeBron James. Uh, they'll get maybe, uh, like, the last, the last few years of his career is obviously to... LA and obviously it's LeBron James like I I could imagine him still dominating at 42 years old if you wanted to being the best player um but you got to remember that yeah like that first round exit really stung and they really got to um every year kind of matters to them right so you know they can't just run it back they have to um they have to significantly improve and they felt that Russell Westbrook is the right choice and I honestly if you could pick up russell westbrook former mvp um why wouldn't you right but it's just like you said the the play styles don't really match but i think they are i think when you have players that really want to win they can figure it out it's tough because i think for russell westbrook this is really going to be important because for the longest time he's had he's kind of built the reputation that you know it's and a lot of people say it that you can't really win with russell westbrook you know like he's a great player he's he's his stats, like just look at his stats, of course, but as a, for the team, like his teams have trouble winning with him and, and going far in the playoffs. Now, um, like I said, I think this is huge in terms of this is huge for him as well, for uh erasing that narrative. Because if he could win with the Lakers and the Lakers can figure it out, um and play as a as a team, as a coherent unit, I think Um, It speaks, it'll speak speak volumes to all their legacies, Anthony Davis's, Russell Westbrooks and uh, LeBron James. Um, But I will say, I don't know, there's a lot of hype around this team with their other free agent signings, but I just can't, like, you have to remember, like, everyone is hyping it up as, you know, they signed future Hall of Famers like Carmel Anthony, Dwight Howard, um, all these things, like, it's all great as Depth pieces, but let's not forget um, these players are signing vet minimum contracts because they're not the players they once were. Right? They're not the Hall of Famer. They're not playing like the Hall of Fame type athlete they were once were. And injuries are a big concern for me. Um, we saw like last season when LeBron James got injured, um, the team, uh, and even Anthony Davis getting injured, uh, the team struggled um Marcus Saul is also old um it's an aging team um I think they only have a couple maybe like three players in their 20s I believe um three or four so it, it is an aging team and that's just my biggest concern is if they get a couple of injuries and it's most likely that they would that they will sustain some injuries especially to their bench um I'm not projecting that but like it is very likely given uh given injury histories for a lot of these players and and just how they've been playing I I they seem like a good team on paper but then when you factor in those things realistically um I just I feel like they lack a lot of like legitimate depth you know and I feel like it could uh, it could kind of crumble the same way it did last season for them mm-hmm
0: and that's, I think, the big uh, top, That's the that's the big uh, <clears throat> that's going to be the big question mark throughout the year. Like, is, is this this Lakers team really capable of uh, winning a championship? Is this, is this Lakers team going to be the top team in the Western Conference when it's all said and done? I don't know. I honestly have no idea. But I definitely think that uh, regardless of what happens next, this Lakers team is going to be one of the most interesting teams to watch
1: yeah they're definitely going to be interesting i mean we're they've assembled le, like legendary players that you would always love to see play with each other like we're finally seeing carmelo anthony play with lebron james and and then you know dwight howard as well he's all he obviously played with them and he had a good season when he did win the championship with them but again time's only passing time's only going up uh they're only getting older and these players aren't the same players they used to be so before you get you know before fans get too hyped over it um like it is exciting but they're not the same type of player that you're getting you're getting um you know players that kind of had trouble these last few seasons um to you know secure contracts and now they're you know signing ve- veteran contracts veteran minimum contracts so um yeah we'll just have to see how it pans out and definitely I think the biggest thing we'll have to see is how Russell Westbrook fits into uh the dynamic with uh, LeBron and AD.
0: Exactly. What I'm what I'm actually curious about uh, is uh, what what the NBA finals is going to look like uh, in 2022. Because mm. I, honestly, I think this is the first time in quite some time. Well, including last year, of course, because we honestly we actually last year we thought it was going to be the Nets versus the Lakers yeah. in the finals, <laughs> but this year. I honestly am genuinely uh, unsure who's going to be in the finals uh, next year, and yeah, that I excites don't me. Know.
1: I honestly don't know because yeah, the Bucks are definitely obviously um, like in the number one position to run it back. But at the same time, we saw that they were like the Nets were right there, so the Nets could possibly be the ones to make the finals. Um, we saw the Hawks. <laughs> I mean, make an unsurprising run, and uh, I mean, surprising run, and. Trey Young is hungry to get back there, um, and we also saw like the Clippers even ch- like the Clippers honestly they challenged the Suns pretty well. But if it wasn't for the Kawhi Leonard uh, injury, he was out for the whole Conference Finals. You know, maybe we could have saw the Clippers in the finals. You never know. Um, so there's a lot to a lot to think about. Uh, the Lakers, where do they fit in there? Um, of course, the Nuggets too. Um, will they have a bounce-back season? They obviously didn't have Jamal Murray for the playoffs um, with Jokic, who's coming off, again, his MVP season. So a lot and, – and like we said, the East is just getting better, right? Where where does Miami fit in? Where How will Chicago even do? They may they might surprise a lot of people and play very well. Um, just a lot of – a lot of teams got, very, uh, like, a lot better. You know, and then there, there are teams that also fell out a little um, – namely like i think about boston i wouldn't say they fell out completely but they kind of it was a situation where other teams were getting better around them but they didn't really do much to get better themselves so you gotta wonder like where do they fit in now or do they still hold their spot where they were the last couple seasons uh, among the east contenders or did they fall a bit so a lot to think about but yeah definitely i don't even have who do you predict like for me, I don't know because when I even think about the Nets going to the finals, it's still a toss up with the Bucks. Even exactly the Heat now
0: too, the Heat and even the even the Hawks. Like like I I can't even remember like some of the teams that made the playoffs last, last year. But I don't, but I, what I'm trying to get at here is that a lot of those teams that didn't make the playoffs last year, they could feasibly make a run here. Like the Boston Celtics, they had a bit of a down year uh, in 2021. Uh, 20, but I definitely think that they could bounce back in some way. Like the bulls obviously could be in the mix. The Hornets are going to get better. The Pacers potentially. Yeah. Like, like I, like I don't even know.
1: Oh who's man. Gonna like, make just finals. thinking about the, the, like the state of basketball right now is so good. Like we have, again, like young and upcoming teams, you know, uh, even in the East, like you got Trey young and the Hawks, you got LaMelo and the Hornets. You got the, the Knicks coming up. Like they just signed Kemba Walker. Um, it's just exciting, like you said, the Pacers too, and then yeah, and in the, in the West too, um, and even like from this last, uh, this last the the draft that just passed by. I mean, we're gonna see uh, how how Cade Cunningham does with Detroit, and even Jalen Green looks so good with Houston now. So you know, there's a lot. This season is gonna be really interesting. I think one of probably one of the more interesting, one of the most interesting seasons we've seen in a long yeah. time. I think the
0: funny part is we haven't even
1: mentioned the uh, Philadelphia 76ers oh, yet. Oh, yeah. I mean, they have, I think they, they're they trying to figure out their own internal problems right now. But once they figure it out, I think, yeah, we'll have definitely uh, some interesting things to talk about with them. There's, they're, they're kind of, they, I, I definitely think they will be on the, at the top of the East. Like, how can we forget them? They'll probably be top three again. Oh, yeah. But, I think they they have to figure out this Ben Simmons situation. And I think that yeah. honestly determines how, you know, if, if they get better or worse. Because honestly, they could hit a home run with that Ben Simmons trade, bring someone in who's, um, who's the perfect fit for Joel Embiid, and then they could dominate again. I mean, they were first in the East last season. Or, you know, they could fumble the trade and slightly get worse. But I still think they'll be among the top teams. So, man, it's just it's deep now basketball is really deep and i love it
0: oh yeah exactly and just basically this is our long-winded way of saying if you want us to predict who's going to be in the nba finals next year come back to us when the playoffs start because then we'll have a better answer then (laughs) because we have no idea
1: i 100 anticipate there to be a lot of um dark horses as well i mean look at last season i mean the phoenix suns nobody even I, i before the season like people wrote them off from even making the playoffs. People didn't think Chris Paul would make that big of a, a difference, but um, look what happened now. And who knows? We could see the same with a lot of teams now. Like even the Knicks, who knows how Kemba Walker will do there. They're building something there. Um, And like oh, I yeah. said, uh, young and upcoming teams, uh, I think we'll see a lot of dark horses sneak into the playoffs too. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to next season. The,
0: the, the, the start of the year cannot come fast enough. <laughs> There's too much time. Is, is
1: we have to be way really too too long yeah for sure it's just so exciting um so yeah that was a lot of basketball talk I think that pretty much sums it up there's there's a whole lot of other signings a lot of other things but I think we touched on the most or at least the the teams that made the biggest splashes um besides the raptors and yeah I I think do let's talk some baseball we could talk about some blue jays um before we move on to our, the next few topics um and start to close out but the blue jays the blue jays have been winning honestly not a lot of complaints with them uh well let's rewind it a bit before the deadline when we last spoke about the blue jays the trade deadline was approaching we were talking about them finding um you know help with their pitching with their relief pitching um things like that and they went out and got it especially uh jose Barrios. they went out and Picked up another starting pitcher, um, and he's great. He's an all-star caliber pitcher, and the most imp- the most attractive thing for him is that he has another year of his contract left. So they did have to give uh, up uh, Austin Martin, who is uh, one of their top-rated prospects. Uh, he was the fifth mm-hmm. overall pick last draft. But uh, I want to know your uh, – first, let's, let's hear your thoughts on uh, that trade. It definitely was a
0: steep price to pay for Jose Barrios. I definitely will agree that uh, a lot of fans were upset to see Austin Martin go because they thought that he could potentially be a useful piece uh, in their infield for years to come. But then you also have to consider that this Blue Jays team, at least on paper right now, is good enough to make the playoffs. And they were not getting enough results because in part of their, their pitching. So, how else do you fix that by making a bold move that has uh, this year and next in mind and i think jose bareaos was was the best uh, pitching option available besides uh, max Scherzer, who ended up going to the la dodgers so in what i think we've always had what, what one or two starts from jose Barrios uh, as a blue jay since the the trade has happened his first day was was, was fantastic um i th- i think he's definitely fitting in really nicely here um it's it's going to complement it's going to help uplift the already existing starting rotation and hopefully makes the uh the bullpen's lives a little easier because i think the big thing is that the bullpen's will you know too much only because of the fact that uh, the starters would maybe not go a, a long enough of the game to uh warrant uh the bullpen being used and i think that's what's something that's going to have to be the case going forward they need to have almost elite starting pitchers because they cannot get a bullpen to save their life. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah.
1: And we'll, we'll touch on that soon too. But uh, yeah, I will say, I think I even told you when, when the f- trade first went down, yeah, I was on the boat of it, it. It was a really steep price to pay for Jose Brios. And I was, for me, I was a little confused on the fact that if, I think I told you this, you know, that's like a trade, like a contending team makes, um, and the, I feel like the, the Jays are on the cusp of contending, but like you, at the same time, we have to remember, like we said it before, they are a rebuilding team at the same time of their content, like opening their contention window. And I just don't want to see them, you know, rush things. Um, and then, you know, pay a steep price like that, lose, uh, you know, the thing with Austin Martin is I, I, I seen a lot of reports that the blue Jays, um, internally just weren't sure about his, potential in his fit with the team so i think they felt comfortable um you know uh making him an expendable asset and it was a steep price because you don't know what those types of uh prospects might pan out to you know um so Mm -hmm. we'll just have to see you know you can't evaluate that right now but it was a lot for i feel like again a team that's on the cusp of contending but not exactly contender yet like you said they're a team that can make the playoffs but um it's almost like it's not the most necessary thing in the world to, to try and contend this season. Um, You know, they've been, this team has been developing like crazy. Last season was a huge developmental season and this season as well, but I could see why they did it. I mean, you have possibly an uh, an MVP season in uh, Vlad. You have uh, the whole offensive unit uh, playing very well. You know, Springer came back and oh my goodness, George Springer has been playing amazingly. Um, And it's those things like that, that, kind of pushes the team into thinking that they are contenders and they are looking like contenders. It's just, it's tough because it's tough to pick everything up in the second half of the season and really make that push for the playoffs and possibly contention. But I guess the blue Jays believe so that they can make that playoff push and they can even, you know, make the push for the world series possibly. Um Although let's not have set our expectations too high yet, but uh Jose Barrios. Yeah, so far he's been playing great. And like I said, i'm just glad that even though despite the steep price the extra year the contract year is very attractive and honestly if the blue jays can re-sign jose Barrios, then this isn't even like like you don't even have to we don't even have to worry about the the price because if they can re-sign him and he's fairly young still then they just acquired a you know an all-star caliber pitcher for the future as well so i think the the real value of it is going to come next season <laughs> But right now, as of right now, he's playing great, and hopefully they can make a playoff push.
0: Now, for this season, I don't think the expectation is to win the division because it's just
1: mm-hmm. insane okay. with yeah. the arrays. The AL East being... is, has to be the toughest division.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> if it wasn't for the Baltimore Orioles being there, this would easily be the best division <laughs> in baseball. Because like, they, they are literally the black sheep of the division. And- <laughs> But that, but that just speaks to how competitive the other four teams are right now. Like, the only other division that comes close would be the NL West, And mm-hmm. the top three teams are insanely competitive. But yeah, no, the AL East is the class of baseball right now. And the Blue Jays are right up there with them. Uh, if it wasn't for the Red Sox having the strong start to the season, I honestly think that the Blue Jays would be trying to battle for who would have home field advantage in the wildcard game. But now their push is just to even make the damn thing. Because <laughs> yeah. they are not even close to the, uh, I think mean, only like a couple of games back, but it's just not going to be easy. Uh, it's, the early yeah. slump, the uh, the injuries, they definitely are put them in a tough position. But we've seen this Blue- a Blue Jays team uh, just Go, guns are blazing in the second half of the season and uh they they do some damage uh, the rest of the way it is uh, so tough it, because, six years ago
1: yeah because the blue Jays can be winning but you know then you have the Red sox and the Yankees also winning and even in the wild card race uh I just want to take a quick look there you know obviously you have even the uh, uh, even Oakland who's they they're a great team this season and they're obviously going to be pushing for their spot too so just to even creep into the um, wild card spot right now. The Jays are two and a half games back. We're recording this at noon on Wednesday, and mm-hmm. yeah, they're two and a half games back. But just like that, like they could win and still, you know, get pushed back three games uh, or or you know, take a step closer. It's it's so hard right now. Like things just have to fall their way in order to make the playoffs. Honestly, yep, yeah,
0: yeah. and and that's why this 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 next part of the season is going to be cru- crucially important. They they cannot go. On a long losing streak because that'll basically uh, end their chances yeah. of a playoff push. This is why, like, I kind of wish that baseball had an expanded playoff format because for situations like this, where there's a there's a lot of quality teams that are uh, trying to vie for a playoff spot. Like one team that we don't really talk about enough is the Seattle Mariners who are having a pretty good uh, 2021. Like, obviously not amazing, but uh, by their standards, that's pretty good. And the LA Angels uh, having Shohei Otani. And Mike Child playing at MVP <laughs> levels,
1: and yet they're at 500. Typical, <laughs> typical Angels stuff, though.
0: Yeah, but uh, that what yeah. makes the American League uh, East, uh, American League uh, playoff race so compelling. Because right now in the National League, we basically already know who's uh, making the playoffs, unless something crazy happens with San and Cincinnati uh, going on an amazing run, and uh, one of the teams already there just completely collapses. Like basically, the playoffs. Actually, wait. I forgot about the NL East. That's still a wild card. But yeah, the the playoff pitcher in the in the National League is more or less set. But the American League playoff pitcher is not yet determined, and that's what makes things very interesting the rest of the way.
1: Oh yeah, and I mean the NL East. Yeah, the NL East is uh, pretty pretty uh, good there too. And and yeah, I mean it's just it's just crazy how how tight even the NL uh, playoff race is is pretty tight. I mean. We've seen, you know, the Mets rise and fall. We've seen the uh, Reds rise and fall or fall and rise now. And, uh, yeah, it's just been crazy. And and I think the AL is super sandwiched by AL East teams right now. Like, you know, after Oakland, the three teams in the race for the wildcard spot are Boston, New York, and Toronto. So those are altering, like, um, AL East teams and pretty much possibly just one of them can make it because Oakland like I said is looking very good too and they I I think they'll finish with the wild card position but you never know it could be two AL East teams that are both wild card spots but that just speaks volumes to how good that division is exactly and that's yeah. what I'm saying the uh American League like I said is uh,
0: incredibly competitive there's a lot of teams that could easily make the playoffs and a lot of really good teams that are going to miss the playoffs this season uh, at the end of the day, you have to be like the best, the be best of the best, in order to even uh, stand out, and that's what the Blue Jays have been doing of late. That's what they need to continue to do if they want any shot of cracking the wild card spot. And even then, a wild card only guarantees you one playoff game. At least uh, mm-hmm. you have to win that game to even make a run out of it. So mm-hmm. this 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 season is definitely going to be interesting. I, I think a lot of Blue Jays fans would like to see them make a playoff push because they are capable of it. But I, I think you're right. If they don't make the playoffs this season, it's, I don't think it's the end of the world. They will definitely uh, be in the mix next season, and I think they'll be even better. They'll be even hungrier.
1: Yeah. And uh, we'll start to wrap up the Blue Jays talks. But like like I said, not a lot of complaints because they are playing well here. I think the key is just that they continue that because – um what like you said one losing streak can end their hopes and because just because of how tight it is like the blue jays can go on a winning streak but other teams like boston or new york can go on winning streaks as well and you know take out their chances as well but um we'll leave it at that they are making a playoff push and i do want to talk about the um relief pitching quickly the bullpen um the blue jays did go out and get help um i On paper, it looked like insane help, but it hasn't panned out the way they wanted exactly. And They went out and got Adam Simber. He's been playing pretty well. And then, honestly, I was so excited about this pickup with uh, Brad Hand, who is looking like one of the best relief pitchers of this season. Um, And just not able to find it in the same degree with Toronto yet. But uh, we'll see. We'll see how, because he has it in him. He was playing amazingly with the Nationals for a good portion of the season um and yeah he was he was kind of declining um i guess he peaked and then he was kind of declining now but um yeah he has in him like he literally was playing amazingly with them this season so i think still a good pickup and just waiting on him to you know really perform out there
0: i think there's still uh, plenty of time for uh, brad hand to get his uh foot like his comfort level with the blue jays uh it's still way too soon to sit, to call him a, a bust. Uh, to the trade of failure, because again, I think it has more to do with him adjusting to the American League uh, style of play after being away from it for uh, about for about 40, for almost over almost a year. Like it's it's always an adjustment when you go from uh, one league to the other. But at the same time, uh, yeah, like I definitely would like to see some results because he ha- he is capable of being a quality reliever. Sino so probably the best name in baseball
1: right now. Literally, like. The thing is, like, on paper, the management went out and got one of the best relief pitchers on paper, right? Mm-hmm. It's just unfortunate that he's not performing <laughs> to that degree. Just, no, just their luck, right? Just the Blue Jays' luck. <laughs> yep. But let's hope that uh both he and the Blue Jays could uh, pick it up and, and keep things going. But, um yeah, I think we'll wrap up the Blue Jays' talk there. We'll talk about other – Headlines quickly before we wrap up this episode. I mean, not a lot of hockey talk we talked about. Uh, Like we mentioned, uh, the draft, free agency, and kind of past. We talked about that in previous episodes. Now it's just kind of waiting for the season to start. But uh, a little cool bit of news came out today, almost uh, funny in a way, I guess. But uh, the Leafs uh, have a new documentary coming out uh, with Amazon prime video um mm-hmm. it's called all or nothing i believe i actually looked into it um i haven't watched any of these documentary series even though i have amazon prime but i should but it's uh amazon prime basically does a documentary series called all or nothing for various different teams and different sports and they follow their seasons um and they do a different one i think they started off doing one per like year and now they're doing a few per year um but mainly they did football teams and now I think they started doing Premier League teams, and then the Leafs are the first hockey team that they're doing. So the trailer for that came out, and uh, <laughs> I know you saw it. And uh, I don't know. I will say it looks good, but it's gonna be really bittersweet for uh, Leafs fans to watch.
0: I think what they've done right is acknowledge that we already know how this thing ends. Yeah. Like, I, like Lil, Lil Onet is uh, doing narration for this entire series. He says, "54 uh, years without a championship." and we didn't get it this time. But you probably want to see what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. I think if you if you channel it like that where you already know how it's going to end but you want to know like wh- how things were looking like behind the scenes, like what the state of the team was uh throughout the year and during that playoff run, like how did that least team go from being up 3-1 to uh being out of the playoffs after game 7? That's what I think is going to be compelling. For watch sure. like how a team fell apart for sure. It's and quality I think that's, storytelling. that's going to be great. Yeah, exactly.
1: It's quality storytelling. I mean, it doesn't have to be a documentary about, Oh, the championship winning team, right? Like you kind of like the, the typical, um, follow the, the championship winning team and they go all the way to the finals and win or they go all the way to the finals and lose but instead you have the Toronto Maple Leafs are a interesting, interesting case in themselves they're a, a great regular season team but something happens to them in the playoffs and um, they're a team loved by so many and, and uh, I think it's going to be really interesting just seeing, um, you know, the inner workings of this team that um, seems to have it all put together but really don't, right? <laughs> Yeah. So, and that's yeah. something
0: I don't think we've ever seen uh, since this uh playoff uh, since mm-hmm. this this era of the Leafs began or even from uh 2013 we never really got to see like what was happening inside that locker room mm-hmm. like uh, behind the scenes uh in the playoffs like you'd see like a couple things like after the games but like nothing really too outlandish like basically once the playoffs are done you never see anything you'll actually get to see something of note uh in in the uh in the uh, this documentary and that's what i think is going to be the most interesting thing
1: i think it's going to be very interesting i know it's going to be like i said bittersweet sweet for release fans but i think um like we said uh, we i think everyone's kind of faced the fact that the leafs uh you know lost <laughs> this season and then have a tendency to lose in the playoffs but once you get over that fact like this is going to be really interesting to see why and like how and what is the inner workings of this team Exactly. Now, there were some other interesting things that uh, happened. Uh, and, and since you're talking
0: about bittersweet, there's definitely some bittersweet feelings for Barcelona fans mm-hmm. because they're the greatest player in their franchise's history uh, could not come to terms on a new contract because of financial limitations. And that player is going to up to Paris. Mm-hmm. And I think you already know who I'm referring yep, to, but uh, for those who don't know, Lionel Messi is no longer with Barcelona. He is now with PSG, and right off the bat, if PSG does not win the Champions League or even their league, they should fold the team.
1: (laughs) Man, yeah, Messi is going to Paris, and uh, honestly, I don't know how you couldn't have heard about this because Messi—the news about Messi—is honestly has been bigger than like just soccer in general, just you know, just football in general. Like, (laughs) it's been so huge, but. um, yeah i'm i'm totally with you there like it's gonna be it's gonna be a crazy season to watch and uh huge probably the big this is probably the biggest this has to be up there with the biggest uh like just in general sports the biggest signings ever right yeah i think it just has a lot to do with the fact that
0: no one could have ever foreseen messi leaving barcelona like he he'd been there for so long everyone genuinely thought he was gonna finish his career there but he didn't i think that's what's shocking like, could you imagine? Like, the only thing that could be bigger than this is if somehow both Messi and Ronaldo team up and join a club. <laughs> that could—that's the only thing I could see that tops this. But like, I, I don't know. Like, the their Twitter Paris PSG's Twitter page was going absolutely berserk. Like, one of their tweets in regards to Messi had almost uh, almost a million likes—a million. Like that should tell you. That yeah. should prove what Matthew was just saying: that this is bigger than football. He's bigger Messi than football. Is.
1: He is bigger than the sport he plays. Like that's the level he's grown to. You could be. You could be. You know. You could not be a football fan at all, but you know that this is huge news. Exactly, like him and Ronaldo
0: are the two biggest play, names in uh, football right now, or soccer, however you want to call it. But yeah, the fact that they have such a big impact on the sport and that people are so gravitated towards uh, what they do, where they go, and how much of an impact that they'll have on uh, the teams that they're going to play for, like, it just speaks volumes. And uh, yeah, I think a lot of people are going to be PSG fans now if they weren't already with when Neymar went to PSG. Like, this basically cements PSG as one of the top teams in Europe.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Um, this is going to be super interesting to just see how this plays out. It's going to be su- s- such a good season to watch. Um, they're overpowered for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I,
0: so how funny is it going to be when they lose to, uh, like Bar- Real Madrid
1: or uh, Bayern Munich? Uh, that's just how it always plays out. Um, <laughs> next, I know you want to talk about the Hungarian Grand Prix. I caught the highlights of it. Um, I am slowly getting into F1 racing. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm getting into it, and uh, it, it's exciting. It's so exciting.
0: I'll make it as brief as possible because I know that we're, we're still getting up there with our knowledge of Formula One. That yeah. uh, we will eventually do
1: more uh, in-depth analysis Just of. Uh, I need to, uh, Michael's on still on another level for me. I'm still <laughs> digesting it all.
0: The good thing yeah. is that right now we're in the summer break, so we have we have plenty of time. Uh, but, but this 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 last race was quite a way to uh, end things off for the first half of the season. Because on turn one, Valtteri Bottas of uh, Mercedes uh, collided with, I think, I think it was Orlando Norris, and it caused a massive collision involving five cars. And all five of those cars were top contenders, one of them being a Red Bull. I think Max Verstappen's car was severely damaged, and he somehow only managed to salvage a couple of points out of it. But the big point, talking point of the race was, uh, was through that collision, Mer- Lewis Hamilton was able to... Uh, Turned in quite an impressive result, and uh, I think he ended up finishing third in the race. But we'll we'll be called, listed as second because of uh, Sebastian Vettel's car being uh, disqualified because his team Aston Martin didn't provide enough uh, uh, oil enough of an oil sample, which is I think is an insane reason to have your results uh, overturned. But uh, yeah, pretty crazy race. I from what you saw, Matthew, what did you think of it?
1: I thought it was exciting. Like I said, I'm still getting into it. So getting into the ins and outs of the, uh, sport and, and the competition is, is still, I'm still getting into that, but yeah, like it's just so exciting. And, and just the, 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 the trauma that goes on, you know, like in the mean, yeah, me- yeah, the memes. Oh my gosh. But no, I mean like, like you just explained, like, um, it's just the craziest things happen that you, you would not expect, you know? And like, like I said, I've been watching the documentary, uh, on Netflix and like, again like at surface level i wouldn't think f1 had all these behind like all this drama all this stuff going on behind uh, behind the scenes but that's just what sports is and i love it and i'm I'm, like i said i'm just waiting to get i'm I'm gonna get more and more into it
0: oh yeah here's one other thing that i've known about this race uh when uh the hungarian grand prix started red bull and max verstappen were leading both the drivers championship and the constructors championship but now that has since changed because uh Verstappen has not gained gained any round for two consecutive races, and Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes were able to take the lead. So, some very interesting things to to unfold the rest of the the Formula One season. If uh, you're someone that hates Lewis Hamilton uh, continuing to win, even though he is the greatest uh, Formula One driver of all time, (laughs) this definitely makes things very interesting. I'm very curious to see who ends up on top, because this could probably go down to the final race.
1: Yeah. We'll just have to see. I'm definitely going to be paying attention through this season. It's going to be really fun. I'm looking forward to it too. Uh, I think that's everything we have to talk about. Well, I know. Well, I wanted to end this episode off with honestly, probably the most important thing of the last couple of weeks that we haven't touched on course. The Olympics, the Olympics. um, We haven't even been able to talk much about the Olympics, even though it's been the pretty much the biggest constant in the last couple of weeks. And I've been working through the Olympics like crazy. So like, I've been, it's been, it's been crazy. I haven't been able to catch all the events, but, uh, you know, most of them, you know, uh, and specifically for Canada, like we have to give so much round of applause to our Canadian athletes, specifically our Canadian woman athletes. Like they've been yes. leading the charge. They Canadian women. they've defied all the odds. They've, they're amazing. Like they're literally superstars. And you always remember that. Like, um, they led the way (laughs) with the medals and everything. And then just the dominance. And Mm -hmm. uh, there's so much headlines to go over. I have to pull up this page here. Uh, I don't want to miss any, but at the same time, if I miss some, uh, I'm sorry, but all like literally props to all the, our Canadian um, medal winners, Um, all, all the Canadian athletes, just competing, even if they didn't medal, you know, um, like huge huge props um, Canada ended with 7 gold medals 6 silver medals and 11 bronze medals for a total of 24 and uh, I think that, that broke the record for the most uh, out, of, out of summer Olympics by Canada the most medals um, so really good there mm-hmm. Um, to note like I think obviously the biggest ones we got to talk about of course are um, Penny Alexiak becoming the most decorated um Olympian a Canadian Olympian period. Um mm-hmm. she has seven medals now. She didn't get a gold, but she got uh let me just see So sure I make sure I get it right, but uh she got silver, she got bronze as well. Um Maggie uh McNeil got gold in woman's uh hundred meter butterfly. Um yeah, and the swimming the um freestyle relay team, um Kylie Mass, she got um a couple silver medals. Um yeah, the, the four, uh, the four by hundred meter relay as well. That team, women's team, the, they got bronze, uh, Alex, Penny Alexiak got bronze in the woman's 200 meter freestyle. So huge props to Penny Alexiak. Obviously like she's literally the, the goat now she is the goat, like Canadian Olympian. Um, yes. simply put that, that literally is it. And then props as well to, uh, Andre de Grasse went out there and, uh, I want to get his actual. Here we go. Track and field. He won gold in the 200 meters, which is, yeah, which is crazy. And then he also got bronze in the men's uh, 100 meter. Yeah. Um. And shout out Muhammad. Uh. Mohammed. Um. He got silver in men's 5000 meter. Which, man, I was watching that. That's crazy. I can't. Like, it's crazy just to run like 200 meters for for us. Like running 5000 meters and like having the stamina to do that, and then also. At the end of the day, it's a race, like trying to come out as the first one with your speed, is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then just a couple more. Uh, you know, uh, we the Canada had uh, I think their rowing team, the women's rowing team, um, in women's eight one gold, so that's uh that's amazing as well. I'm um, just gonna shout out some gold medalists here. Uh, Kelsey Mitchell, I watched that. That was on one of the last. I think the second last day, um, for women's cycling sprint, that is a crazy, interesting, um, crazy, interesting, uh, sport to watch. I, that's so cool. It's basically, it's like, it's racing, like it's cycling racing, but in like a, a steep dome type thing, it was so cool. (laughs) Very interesting. yeah. Yeah. Um, and then. And then I think, uh, like again, shout out all the Olympians who medaled. I'm just I just named a just kind of a brief few there. Um, and but a big big shout out to the women's soccer team who took yes. gold. And that was the most insane match ever. Went to penalty kicks and man, like I, I need to know your reaction to that because I was watching that live and that was, I think all of Canada were like you know sweating then like it was so intense <laughs> i was at, i think i was at
0: work when that happened so i wasn't really watching it but i i, I had a strong feeling Kendall was gonna come out on top maybe a little bit nervous when they were down one nothing, but they, they they came back and tied it they got it to penalty kicks and they got the job done uh, it's uh, it was a great feeling to watch and obviously just to quickly while well, i have a second here yes all the canadian athletes primarily the female athletes deserve all the credit in the world for their performance and tying I think it was tying the uh, all-time Canadian record for uh, medals at uh, Summer Olympic Games. Uh, this is a good stepping stone. I think that this is something that can can look at and say we can compete in the Summer Olympics. We just need to invest all our resources in both the woman and male uh, athletes uh, to have as much success as possible. And I'm not sure if you mentioned him, but uh, uh, Damian Warner uh, yes, was yes. Uh, the uh, is now arguably the best athlete in the world because he won the decathlon and he he, i think in that sense he deserved to uh be the flag bearer for the closing ceremonies i I know a lot of people would have loved to see uh, christine sinclair because of the fact of how much that uh that win meant to her and i i'll get to her in just a second but like i said uh, warner uh, a tremendous honor for him to be the flag bearer and he's the athlete of the world but uh, just to get back on sinclair huge win for her she definitely needed that. Uh, this cements her legacy for sure if it hasn't been cemented already. Uh, I know a lot of people would have loved to see her win a, a World Cup for, for Canada, but uh, a winning a tournament of any sort for Canada is a huge win for her. And I think that this proves that she is a winner if yeah. we th- it didn't prove it already.
1: And she's the leading goal scorer in, inter- in international uh, history for women's soccer. Um, I would say th- probably the, the GOAT of uh, women's soccer, and I would say one of the goats of all-time soccer in general, you know? Yep. For
0: sure. Exactly, and and something to, the, to mention, she's the all-time leading scorer
1: in international competitions for soccer in general, yeah. better than Ronaldo. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely insane. So, like I said, this cements her as a, a, one of the goats of soccer in general, 100%, and I'm so glad that she got um gold, and I'm so glad that, like, the whole team and all the Canadian women – who uh, just meddled, or even the Canadian woman who uh, participated? Like, literally, it's so important. Um, I'm. It's so exciting because just seeing, you know, how many, you know, younger girls and younger generations right now, Canadian girls, have, uh, you know, will see these Canadian women dominating in the Olympics and and want to go into these sports and want to follow in their footsteps. And you know, that's gonna happen. It's just gonna be so awesome.
0: Oh yeah, I'm 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 definitely looking forward to the 2022 Winter Games. They're 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 only a couple months away. Like this is the first time since I think the 80s where the uh, or the night the early 90s where the summer and the winter Olympic Games were only months uh, separated from one another. Uh, I think a lot of people took t- take that for granted. Uh, just how special those four years were, but now that they're every two years, it, maybe it somewhat takes away from it. I, I I don't I don't think so. But yeah, no, this is going to be really cool seeing the uh, Winter and then the Summer Olympics uh, so close together.
1: Yeah, for sure. 100%. Um, it's just exciting, like we have. And let's not even forget that, yeah, the Summer Olympics are only three years away, not even the full four years. So <laughs> it's going to be real fun. Um, and we'll talk more about that again over this next year for the Winter Olympics. A lot a lot of news is going to be coming out with uh, Team Canada and, and especially hockey is going to be interesting. But yeah um another end to the olympics it was a really fun time It was really great and i think they handled it really well with the situation over there in tokyo uh with the pandemic and everything i think they were able to you know run a really successful olympics given the circumstances
0: uh before we do close things out i do want to shout out jose bautista for winning a bronze medal for the dominican (laughs) baseball team The guy is a legend. He deserved a champion, a a title of some sort, and he got that. So props to him for, uh, coming out, uh, with a bronze medal in the, uh, Olympics.
1: For sure. For sure. Um, yeah. And, uh, I think we'll end it on that note. Um, it was great. Uh, it was a great week. It was great. Two weeks in, for the Olympics, uh, in sports and it was a great week in sports and, uh, we'll have a lot more coming up next week. Um, yeah so stay tuned um until then uh oh we will plug our socials as well before i <laughs> before i sign us all off um you can follow me on twitter at matt underscore rodrigo underscore and you can follow our podcast account you can tweet us or you know send us feedback everything on there um at behind the net pod on twitter and you can follow me at the leafs yep so uh stay tuned for next week's episode uh um and we will have a lot more Things planned we have a few things planned this season so keep uh stay tuned and, and keep listening and uh until next week uh we'll see you all then take care guys